Hey, this is Daryl. Thank you for listening. You're about to hear a great episode of Allocation Disorder in which Paul and Sam discuss potential MLS and Liga MX mergers or ways that the two leagues can work together. I also want to make sure that you know about two recent episodes on the Total Soccer Show. Uh, The episode previous to what you're about to hear was George Qureshi and I uh, starting the Total Soccer Show book club in which we discuss chapter one of David Goldblatt's The Age of Football. Highly recommend listening to that conversation. And in the episode prior to that, Taylor and I did the draw for the TSS Champions Champions Cup of History uh, knockout tournament where we are attempting to find the greatest club team of all time. If you somehow skipped over either of those two episodes, I would highly encourage you go back and listen. Today's episode is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated and productive at home, Remarkably Remote is here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Everything you hear in the Total Suck Show feed is, of course, recorded remotely. Um, Add Remarkably Remote to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favourite podcasting app. All right, get ready for some smooth, shuffly jazz, because here comes Paul Tenorio and Sam Stashkel with a great episode of Allocation Disorder. Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekel, joined, as always, by my, my friend and colleague, Paul Tenorio. Paul, how's it going tonight? I'm glad that you called me a friend because, you know, I think your fans, and let's be honest, their fans, call, called me out for, for for calling you out earlier and, and encouraging people to submit qu- answers to your survey and, and add more work to your plate. And you took offense. You took umbrage. I didn't take and, offense. And your I'm people, just marking it down. I'm marking it down on the ledger, you know? I'm remembering. And people doubted our friendship. They doubted my friendship to you. And I think that I was being a good friend by making sure you had adequate number of answers on your service. Yes. We were bumping up the sample size. I thought you were being a great friend by doing that, Paul. Um, yeah. For those who don't know, who aren't alertly tuned in to both of our Twitter accounts at all times, <laughs> um, which why aren't you if you're not, right? But there was a we did a little survey for fans to take this week about MLS and or I did, I should say, and, and Paul wanted to bump it up so I would have more responses to sift through. You gave me a lot of responses to sift through. It's going to take a while to turn that thing around, but I'll get there eventually. Anyway, um, so you're you're doing well then? I take it. Yeah, I was. I'm I'm great. The only thing was I you wouldn't let me respond to the survey, which that besides that everything has been great this week. Though. You never you never asked me if you could respond to the survey. What are you I, talking about? I absolutely did. I said, no, Sam, didn't. can I respond to the survey? And you said, no, you cannot respond to the survey. We'll debate right. this later. Are you making this up or did I just like completely like... It's it's in writing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess I have amnesia. I totally forgot. Regardless, we can get past that beginning and, you know, maybe my complete lack of brain function. That's a little worrying. Um, but tonight we want to talk about MLS... And Liga MX, that's kind of been the hot topic here over the last few days. Um, You know, there's been a lot of chatter over the last few years, I would say, 
about the two leagues kind of coming together. And we've seen that from MLS Commissioner Don Garber. We've seen that from League MX President Enrique Bonilla. Um, we've seen it manifest itself in the League's Cup and in an all-star game that may or may not happen this, later this year between the two leagues. Um, we've seen it manifest in the Campiones Cup. And maybe one day we'll see it manifest in a further partnership, maybe even a merger um, between the two leagues into some sort of North American Super League. Um, so the little, a little bit more background into why this became a topic this week. Um, League MX decided to go ahead and suspend promotion and relegation between League MX and the Ascenso, the second division down there in Mexico, uh, for the next five years. Obviously, that's a move towards what MLS is. There's no pro-rel in MLS, as anyone listening to this knows. Um, they also had some interesting comments come out from Santos Laguna, um, from their president, whose name I'm probably about to butcher, Alejandro Iraragori. Um, excuse me, he's, I said president, he's actually an owner. Um, and he, he basically said that MLS has been growing in this orderly, slow, and but constant way in all senses, commercially, infrastructure, financial structure, reach, and sports. Its fundamentals are solid. Its market is very large, relevant in purchasing power and growing in taste and appetite for soccer. Today, MLS clubs have a much higher annual turnover than our league. He also said a few other things. Um, basically, it's probable that the possible creation of a North American league in the short term would be better for MLS, in the medium term for League MX, but in the long term, it's better for both. And he called the potential of a partnership or a merger immense. You know, this is kind of echoing things that Don Garber has said over the years. Um, I believe he called it the ultimate dream and a powerful force in professional sports if MLS and League MX were to merge. Um, so there's a lot of smoke here, Paul. Um, and there's a lot of talk and a lot of chatter. And this would be a really interesting thing. And during this quarantine, when there are no games going on, it is, uh, it's good content for us to talk about. Um, but before we dive in too fully, and we are going to dive in all the way on this, this is all we're talking about tonight. Um, but let's, let's outline a little bit of background of what MLS and League MX stand to gain by working together. Um, what do they stand to gain? What do they stand to lose? What do you, what do you think about those two questions? Well, I think it's a mutually beneficial proposition. I think, you know, the quote that you read earlier about how it benefits both sides, maybe in different time frames, is accurate. For MLS, the the reasoning is simple. They need to tap into the larger soccer audience that exists in the United States that they have not been able to reach. And League MX is the most popular league in the U.S. on television. MLS needs that that boost in its TV ratings. It needs that revenue from a TV contract in order to truly become uh, a relevant league globally. Uh, Mexico needs the financial boost that they would get from a greater entrance into the U.S. market. And obviously, being the most popular league on American television is one thing. It's not as though they need MLS's boost in, in their ratings, but in their marketability, the commercial dollars that would come in, um, the breadth of audience, the different demographics, all of those things would create a huge financial step up and a level of stability economically um, via the structure of Major League Soccer. The way it's set up, the way it protects owners um, and, and could potentially maximize their dollars, certainly 
the marketing acumen of Soccer United Marketing would would be a plus. The interesting yeah. thing to me, sorry, Sam, the last part for no, me, the, the interesting thing for me is, um, and I'll throw it back to you on this. I actually think the, you know, the the real benefit here for these two leagues is they want to be able to compete with Europe, with the Premier League, with Champions League, and they know in in a lot of ways they cannot do it on their own. Certainly, in my opinion, certainly Liga MX cannot do it on its own. The question is, could MLS do it on its own? And I actually believe the answer to that question is yes, they could if they operated completely differently than they do. But if they want to maintain the level of control that they've always desired, then they need to kind of artificially boost their television audience and their revenue stream through that audience boost. And so without being willing to change the way they operate. MLS needs Liga MX to compete with Europe. Um, but I think without MLS, Liga MX could never compete as far as financially, economically, you know, with with the European leagues and, and being able to attract players to Mexico. That might be a controversial thing to say. I don't know. But I, that's, that's the one interesting part of this balance that that I think could play into the long term. Yeah, I think I pretty much agree with everything you said. And I think just to sort of elaborate on that last point you made, I think what what you, one other way to put it would just sort of be, you know, maybe the ceiling for MLS is a little higher than League MX, just in terms of the power of the owners and where they could go if they wanted to. Not to say they're close to hitting that ceiling, but maybe the potential is just a little bit greater. And and so I agree with pretty much everything you said there. And I think it, it makes sense from a lot of perspectives. But for me, and, and this is this is the really tricky part, right? Is uh, there's a really big way where it doesn't make sense. And I think that's probably from the fan perspective, right? Like, does anyone actually want this? You know, we mentioned, we mentioned my survey at the top of the show and I asked the question, would you support an MLS and Liga MX merger? And it came back about 65, 35. No. And that's obviously primarily, probably almost exclusively from MLS fans, right? But talking to talking to some people, Tom Marshall, a journalist who works down in, in Mexico and covers the national team down there in the league and does a great job of that for ESPN, he, he said something similar to me the other day. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of backlash to the decision in Mexico about pro-rel. Um, and you have really historic clubs down there that are a huge part of the culture and not just of the, of the local culture of a city or a state culture, but of the national culture. Um, and to, to kind of blow that up or supersede it. So club America has to go play league games against the San Jose earthquakes. Um, seems kind of crazy to me. And if I'm a fan of one of those teams, I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you cheapening it? Um, not necessarily cheaping it in terms of quality, but why are you creating this Frankenstein monster of a league and kind of trampling all over the history of my club and its league to do this? Like what, like for what, just for more money? Is that what this is all about? And, and I don't know, maybe that's a naive perspective. <laughs> and, no, it's, you know, you, it's, it's accurate. Sam, you, right? you mentioned, you mentioned before we started recording that this is going to ultimately come down to a few people and that's going to be the owners. And you're right. Um, but it's just like, man, like who wants these super leagues? Like, like, you know, (laughs) like that's my thing. No, it's, it's spot on. The idea here of 
sport being this fan-driven, community-based, passionate thing is romantic and it's lovely and it's the way things were in the 1880s and 1907 and all those you know go back (laughs) it's not that way anymore back when the cubs were winning world series regularly yeah it's it's a corporate driven money-making venture where people are in it to make money right that's how they're making these decisions despite the fact that a lot of sports owners lose money you look at the leagues that are making money and everyone says, how can I get there, right? And so those are the people making decisions and they're not making it for what's best for the fans, right? All you need to look at is Columbus Crew and and how set MLS was on moving the crew to Austin and, you know, it took a, another rich person who wanted to keep the sure. team in Columbus to save it. So, you know, that's a good example of just the idea is that 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 fans would have a real say in this is to me a fallacy. And and yes, yeah. the decision is all about money and it's about how can we maximize our dollars? How can we maximize our popularity? How can we compete with the big European leagues? And this is in their mind the best way to do it. And I think it's I think that they are not wrong. I think there are aspects of this that make a lot of sense. But going the full Monty here, going to a joint league is, is in my opinion, the wrong step. And it's the wrong step for the same reason that Chivas USA was the wrong step. When you start to play with the, the passion of fans, the things that they care about, the tradition that exists, whether you like it or not, you're going to start to lose people and lose fans and it's going to turn against you and 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 that is the x factor here it's it's the fact that the fans aren't going to want it and and rightfully so i don't know i mean it's just all very strange to me this is of course the way the world is going um if you haven't followed along there's been chatter about this over in europe for a european super league for years um and we might eventually see that one day um with the top clubs from you know kind of the different countries over there um and then everybody else playing in their own domestic leagues so so who knows how this is all going to shake out um it's going to be really interesting but let's say it does shake out paul and let's say that they MLS and Liga Mexico further down this path and they build a deeper partnership and a deeper relationship and create some sort of joint league in some form or fashion. Um, well, first of all, do you, do you think that's possible? And what, even if you don't think it's possible, let's, let's design it, let's game it out and then see what, see what it might look like, see what we can come up with. Yeah, it's possible. Um, it would take, in my opinion, an openness that hasn't been there with owners in Major League Soccer before because I don't think you can have a league that's getting up into the, the zone of 40 or 50 teams with in one division, right? No. And, and so there would have to be some sort of pro-rel that gets designed and... I, I don't know how that happens with MLS. I just don't know how you can create that without some sort of massive financial, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, a protection for these owners who have invested hundreds Basically of Basically like, like a parachute payment. If yeah, you need it, some, some yeah. sort of, to, to, just to start things off. And then how do you determine who's in the lower division? So that's the hard part. And that's where this conversation is going to center. 
you know, what does that look like? Because you can't just throw the two leagues together and say, okay, we just have this one massive Right, because right now, right now you have 19 teams in League MX and you have 26 teams in MLS, but you have four more that have already been admitted to the league and awarded expansion teams. So that's that's 49 between the two. That You can't do a league like that. That's just not feasible. It wouldn't work. It would be a farce of a competition. Um, so I'm totally with you there. And, and I think, um, you know, uh, to do a league, right, I think you have a couple of options. And one is to sort of do it like Major League Baseball used to, where, you know, you maybe you have some interleague games, but you're, you're mostly looking at a separate, like an AL and an NL, like the old style before there was much, much interleague where MLS plays its own MLS schedule for the most part. League MX plays its own League MX schedule for the most part. Maybe there's a little bit of regular season overlap and then you have playoffs and maybe, maybe the winner of each playoffs plays each other in a championship match, which is sort of what Campione's cup is now. Um, so that'd be, I don't know. That doesn't seem like it's really going far enough to me. Um, to actually make much of a difference or to make anybody even care. Um, you could do, I mean, I don't know, if that interleague play was rather extensive, then that could be a different story. Um, but I think that's one option. Um, and then another option that I wanted to shout out, and our friend uh, Henry Bushnell, who writes for Yahoo, he wrote a good article about this earlier this week, kind of sketching out what he thought it might look like, is if you kind of take the top teams from Mexico, top teams from Liga MX, say you start it in 2026 or whatever, and you do the previous three years and you admit 10 from each league based on form into the Super League, and then you leave everybody else back in their own domestic leagues and you have pro-rel between the two. So you have a 20-team combined MLS Liga MX league, and then you have MLS, and then you have Liga MX, and you have promotion and relegation between those, I guess, th- two levels of the pyramid, those three different leagues. Um, so I thought that could be a feasible way to do it, but I don't know. I mean, you mentioned it. I don't know how you would convince MLS owners to buy into that unless the money was just enormous to do, to do a combined league and they're going to make a lot more than they would have, um, in MLS. I don't know if you can get them on board with that. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, ultimately I believe that there will be some kind of competition between these two leagues that exceeds the Champions League and the Campeones Cup and the League's Cup that we see now, but falls short of being a joint league. And and the only reason I think it falls short is because the logistics are too difficult to overcome. And it, ultimately, it'll come down to that idea of pro-rel, everything that owners have done to avoid that. Uh, the the egos that would be involved, the difficulty of organizing, who goes up, who goes down, how do you decipher the Super League and the not? I mean, there's so many angles to this um, because you think are, about the are equations. Because like that that scenario that I just laid out, it's not that complicated. It, it, really. It's not that complicated, but it it becomes more complicated, right? Because when you look at when you start to go into the depths of this, like what is the league set up as now? If you're, you know, if you're an owner who just recently bought in, um, and you, you know, you bought in under one model, and now you've got to adjust your model to to be really good for three years. When you're in FC Dallas, and maybe you're in a, you've just sold a bunch of players, and you're you're academy built, and now all of a sudden you've got to go spend a bunch of like. And, and, and within a salary cap system that exists in MLS, like there's so many angles to this that would have to be adjusted years out, right? To give the teams the window to be ready 
to have the best possible three years well, they that, could have. Doesn't that depend, though, on how they split the money? Right? Because if MLS is still some sort of single entity-ish structure, right? Because that would have to change at least a little bit if you're if you're partnering with all these Mexican teams. I would imagine. I'm not a lawyer. I don't deal with that contract stuff, so I don't know. But I would imagine that would have to change a little bit. But say you take all the, the 30 American and Canadian teams that are involved, right? And say, all right, we're all splitting the TV revenue equally. We're all splitting the, the sponsorship revenue equally, regardless of what league you're in. Is that... Does it become an easier sell for you then? Well, what what becomes the incentive then, right? In promotion and relegation, if that's the if that's the case, well, the right? the overall that, pool point, is getting just... the overall pool is getting getting bigger, and you know maybe like you're you're splitting the league wide stuff equally, but you can still go off and do your own independent deals as a club, and presumably those would be bigger if you're in the better and presumably more popular league. Yeah, I I, I just think that. This conversation that we're having will be the greatest barrier to a joint league. I think there are too many egos involved, too many teams that aren't going to be willing to even submit themselves to the possibility of relegation. And I believe that there will be a contingent of owners who are drafting a plan to have some sort of super league champions league like competition that essentially cuts out the rest of CONCACAF. is that are, are you not describing leagues cup right here yes but we're taking it to the next level right where you're having more games you're having higher prize money you're having greater television deals tied into it right that's gonna that you know right now for example mls's tv deal is tied via some to u.s soccer right Mm-hmm. the new package is going to be tying these two leagues together. And my, that's what I think that the first business step will be. And creating incentives to have these competitions that exceed almost financially the incentives that exist within the league, but allow the two leagues to maintain their current structures, right? So you still have MLS champions, you still have League MX champions, and then you have the Super Liga, which is probably what they'll call it. And it's what they used to call it back in the day. <laughs> right. And, and, and that will be the way that this competition exists. And it'll be, you know, I wouldn't even be surprised if it starts to get into the area where, I mean, this is the competition that's, that's, you know, discussed in the same way the UEFA champions league is right. It's, it's the most important trophy you can win. It you know it is the thing that that people talk about the most that doesn't exist right now for the for the Concacaf Champions League. There is a market for it, and it and there is a way to tie big TV audiences to it. And I think that is where we'll go. So Just, you see, it sort of replacing the current Concacaf Champions League, basically. Exactly, and because also you've got to remember. CONCACAF controls the Champions League, right? right. Yeah. And they control the revenue. They control the schedule. They control the TV deals. All of those things are cutting these two leagues out of the money. And that is not going to last much longer. That's that's my prediction for where this goes. I think that's a good shout. And to sort of add to that, I've had conversations with a couple high-level people at different MLS clubs, just kind of on League's Cup versus Champions League. And a lot of them, or not a lot of them, but a couple of them have told me like, hey, look for MLS teams and start shifting away from Champions League. They think it's too hard to win, right? Because of the scheduling 
and the disparity between, you know, what Tigres or Monterey or America is spending on their roster versus what they're spending on their roster. Um, they think it's too difficult. Um, and the money isn't there in terms of the reward. The payoff isn't there. Um, so you'll go, you'll go, you'll play leagues cup. You'll put more money into that, more resources into that, more energy into that. Um, and maybe down the road, the payoff is a lot greater. So I'm kind of with you there. I think, I think this, this is most likely going to be a beefed up version of what the leagues cup is now. I don't know when you would do it. That would be an interesting part to me. I know maybe I'm making this up, but I feel like there's been some public chatter or reports, uh, about like, a like a month long tournament, essentially like a post regular season or in between the regular season, between the two leagues, between some of the better teams in the two leagues, kind of like a playoff almost. Um, am, am I totally yeah, off base No, there? you're, you're not off okay. base. It was part of the BCG study. And I think there, there is, there is this gap, right? That MLS has that exists after MLS cup before preseason starts. It's, it's just way too long, right? The, the, the amount of time these players have off is way too long. And part you partly is not MLS. It's not the fault of MLS, right? It's very difficult to play games across this continent, uh, U.S. and Canada, especially in December, January, February, right? Right. But if you were to play the group stages and the knockout stages of this tournament over the course of most of the season, and then you get till post MLS Cup, and you're in that winter phase and you're playing games in warm weather locations, you know, against the league MX opponents. I think that, I think it's doable and it keeps teams on the field and it keeps players in training. Obviously there are going to have to be some adjustments to the CBA as it exists. And you know, the, all these different discussions that take part of it, but it does start to fill some of those gaps. And I'm not saying it's a lot of games, uh, but I do think that that's an area, but I, I think, I'm also interested to see how it maybe impacts something like the U.S. Open Cup, right? You know, yeah, we can look at England and European leagues to see, you know, what has happened to the FA Cup, right? The conversation there has been that teams don't take it seriously. You know, they're playing all their young players and no one really, because so much attention is paid to winning the league, so much attention is paid to winning Champions League. And when you have a high number of games, you have to sacrifice quality somewhere and start to play depth. And so I, I do think that there will be that same type of schedule congestion that, that exists in Europe that will soon exist here in North America because this will be a priority. I don't think there's any problem with the schedule congestion. Everyone yells to play the kids and then everyone yells about not playing your best lineup when, you know, in different competitions. Well, you can't really have it both ways, right? Like it's a good opportunity to play some of those young unproven kids. Anyway, I digress. I do think this is interesting though. Um, We haven't, you know, we've talked about logistics. We haven't talked about kind of the roster rules. We haven't talked about the geography. Um, Any takes on that? Well, I mean, travel is number one, right? Uh, you're going to, I mean, we've already seen that investment's going to have to go up. And I think we're going to have a whole nother discussion about travel and the logistics of travel in the wake of coronavirus, right? It's the risk for players is now higher to be on domestic travel at all. And, um, and so I think that conversation will shift enormously coming out of coronavirus, but certainly charter flights internationally to Mexico are going to have to be a part of 
whatever competition is created already we saw that charter flights for international games are required under the cba probably with this type of competition in mind for the future um you know we got to give credit to the to the union at least to be looking forward um for this type of potential competition i i think finance finances of roster building are really intriguing because you have a league in mexico that exists as the rest of the world does with no financial restrictions and then you have a league in mls that is one of the more restrictive leagues professionally across any sport in the way that they they try to limit team spending so yeah i mean it's going to be i think i think the interesting part is i don't think mls changes more than mexico Hey, this is Daryl cutting in to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by the Black Tucks. You don't think that when Paul and Sam record allocation disorder, they sit around in their sweatpants, do you? No, these are finely dressed men. Picture them in your heads right now. Are they wearing bow ties? If so, you are correct. If you would like to be well-dressed for an upcoming event that requires some formal wear and you find your wardrobe is not what it should be, the Black Tux has got you covered. You can buy or rent formal wear, a suit or a tuxedo for your big day, whatever that may be. You just go to the website, theblacktux.com. Have a click around, look at the various styles on offer. Then you just answer a few questions about your size, like your your height, your weight, your shoulder size, um, and the blacktux.com will let you know what they have in stock for you and whatever you find, it's going to be of the highest quality. The Black Tux will then ship your sartorial selections two weeks before the day that you actually need them so that you can try them on, make sure the fit is right, make sure everything is perfect and with enough time to make some changes if that's what's needed. That is the Black Tux commitment to making you look good. So whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. And if you want to get 10% off, then go to theblacktux.com and use the code SOCCER for 10% off. That's theblacktux.com, code SOCCER for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. Now, let's get back to allocation disorder, where I believe Paul had just told Sam that Liga MX is more likely to have to make changes than Major League Soccer. Yeah, I, I was kind of about to... I'm glad you went there, because I was I was about to go there. Like, I, w- I would say, and I would hearken back to the quote from the Santos Laguna owner, like, I think in the short term, Mexico might want to move a little bit towards where MLS is. They might want to tamp spending down a little bit. You know, this coronavirus, the the pandemic has hit them hard economically, just as it is as it has everyone else. Um, and so I think you're going to see them rein in spending regardless. So I think if you were going to if you were going to do something like a merger, they would they would be kind of not all that upset. Maybe a club or two would be a little would be a little miffed, but I don't think for the most part they would be that upset about maybe tamping things down and putting a few real rules on it. Um, I also think from the MLS side of things. You know, you would presumably be getting more revenue if you worked out a deal like this from broadcast, from sponsorships. And if you're getting more money in the coffers, well, then all of a sudden you're you're more willing to spend some of that more money too, right? So I think it would be a meet in the middle situation from that standpoint. What is that? What is that? When you say meet in the middle, like what do you think a cap looks like in oh a God. joint? I mean, is there a cap? 
I think there has to be, yeah. I think there has to be a cap. I mean, what if it's like a luxury tax situation, right? Where it's like a, a very soft cap. I mean, MLS already is a soft cap, right? But like say you have a spending ceiling of $50 million or whatever, right? Pull out a number. And if you go over that, then you, then you have a 20% tax. But you can go over it if you want. But if you do, you got to pay 20%. Yeah, I, I guess the, the question comes down to ambition, and it goes back to something I mentioned at the very beginning. Right, if you of want this, to challenge which Europe, is, do you yeah. really want to challenge Europe? And financially, the MLS owners are capable of doing that. They are capable of challenging Europe with their resources. And I think, and especially if they have the audience that League MX would bring. And I think if League MX was injected with an infusion of capital, that joining MLS would do. And I and by the way, I think a big part of this is I think that League MX would have to be compensated on the front end for any type of venture because they are the ones with the resources. And I, I don't know if they realize right. that, but they yeah. really are, right? They're bringing the money to the table. They know they know that they're bringing the money. So if you get that infusion, I I, I mean ideally they say, okay, if we're going to make a leap like this, and shake things up to such a high degree, then yes, you're right. They 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 significantly increase whatever cap there is. They, you know, significantly increase the financial commitment needed from MLS owners to be competitive. And suddenly you have a league that is competitive with Europe because it is the best league in this hemisphere. And so you're getting and you're competing for the very best players out of South America. Yeah, and, the Brazilian league might have something to say about that, but but hey. I mean, realistically, the Brazilian league domestically is there to produce players for European teams, right? I mean, sure. And and I think if you have a Mexican American league and and Canadian that is spending at a significant level of money and saying we are the kings of this hemisphere, then you you have to spend at a level that is comparable comparable to the Premier League. Realistically. That's I mean, where you have to be. <laughs> that's I don't think you need to spend comparable to the Premier League. That's an I mean, entirely let, different. Let's not game. talk about you know, it's not that different, right? Like like we're not even talking about specifically the top six of the Premier League, right? I mean, on transfers alone, Paul, it's a it's a totally different it's a different galaxy again i think i think it's a different galaxy when you start talking about the champions league clubs the top british clubs the top spanish clubs Bayern munich um i mean i'm more with i'm more i'm more with you when you get into spain and italy and france but in england in particular i mean all of these clubs spend absurd amounts of money so anyway this is a big aside that's not really that relevant but I mean, I just think yeah. I think that the the financial commitment in order for it to work, right? If you do this, I, I agree it has to be big. But I, I I don't know, man. I maybe I'm pessimistic. Maybe it's just the nature of being a reporter covering this league, Dan. I just find it hard to believe that MLS owners are going to be willing to make a seismic financial change, even when they're bringing in the Mexican teams, unless unless we see the numbers just 
Yeah, I mean, I think if you have a seismic financial change in terms of the revenue you're bringing in, then you're willing to make it on the other side. I think that's how they would be willing to make it, and only in that scenario, right? Um, and and to be clear, I don't think you need to spend the money that the teams spend in England to be a really attractive, um, good league that can draw a lot of fans. Um, you know, you don't need to be at that level. And, and MLS doesn't even say anything about being at that level for the most part. I give MLS a lot of crap for talking a big game and not walking the walk, but they haven't really talked to that game yet, at least for the most part, um, outside of a few, few owners here and there on, uh, when they're feeling themselves in a fun setting. But, um, anyway, uh, I don't know, man, this whole thing is, my head's spinning a little bit because this is going 18 different directions. So I do kind of want... Um, I do kind of want, and I'll do this. I can do it first. I can do it second. It doesn't matter, but I do want to put a bow on this, um, in terms of, all right, what's, what's your most realistic outcome here, Paul? And when do you think we might see it by? I think the league's cup was the first step. I think that we will see a significant joint competition between these two leagues coming out of the 2026 World Cup. Coming out of? In that window of 2026. Maybe they do it in conjunction with the World Cup. They make the announcement Mm -hmm. around it. But in that year, 2026 going forward, is when this competition will will be launched at its full blast. And again, I don't think it'll be a joint league. I do think it'll be a significant competition that... Um, that becomes the the probably the main thing we're covering, Sam. And you know, I I I pin it around that window. Yeah, I think that makes sense, and I think that's probably the most likely scenario. Um, just to be a little different, I'll throw a different one out there. I'll say same time frame, right? So either in the build up or right around the 2026 World Cup, which is of course going to be hosted by the U.S., Canada, and Mexico jointly. Um, and I'll say that scenario that Henry outlined that I referenced earlier of, you know, the, the 20 team super league that's above MLS and Liga MX. It's half MLS teams. It's half Liga MX teams. You do it. You pick the teams based on performance. Maybe you pick it on some other measure, who knows? Um, and then you have promotion and relegation, um, between the two, or I guess the two levels of the pyramid or the three leagues. So the top team from League MX, the top team from MLS, and maybe the, the two second place teams face off in a playoff, and then they go in as the third. Um, and then you have three guys dropping down um, from the Super League. So that's that's what I'll say is, uh, is kind of to put the bow on this and, and to, to put the scenarios in order um, and hopefully um, kind of cobble together a little bit what's been a uh, free-ranging episode, I think it's fair to say. And Sam, I wonder for you, you know, when you think about this, this merger and, and the fact that Don Garber has been so vocal, the fact that, you know, that this has been a rumor now that's circulating, you have to believe that, that on both sides, they really think that this is the only way to, to truly compete with the money that's going in. And I think, um, you know, I think it's interesting I don't know that I would say that. I mean, it's just so interesting to me that a league that is usually so guarded about its future business ideas has been so kind of open about how this is the great way well, forward. I think, I think a lot of it is they're flirting, right? Like why? They're, right? They're, That's they're, the question. Well, because I think they see potential, right? I don't know that they're fully decided on it yet, right? But they're giving it a try, 
right? They're kicking the tires with League's Cup and with everything else. And Garber's comments to me are him flirting with League MX and saying, hey, like this would be cool for us. Don't you think it'd be cool for you too? And maybe we can get together. Maybe we can hook up and maybe this can be a beautiful, beautiful relationship, right? So I think that's, I think it's messaging for him for a lot of these things. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. Like I, I started the show by saying which fans want this. And I've so almost talked myself into it a little bit here over the course of the show. <laughs> I think that 20-team Super League thing would be kind of cool. Maybe I mean, it'd be crazy. so much fun to cover for us, right? But we don't have as much buy-in as fans, right? We're, we are fans of the game, not fans of teams. Right. But, you know, like you're still – it's not like your club's going away. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, too, because from a sporting standpoint, what's been a big part of what we write about all, all the time is – the fact that MLS can't compete with the, the higher spending Mexican teams. And I wonder how long it would take to ramp things up. And, you know, in my mind, you if you if you do what we're talking about and you just release these teams to spend, the the kind of seismic activity that could exist in the league of the high spending owners going right right away and, and becoming true kind of powerhouse teams and and then i wonder which owners would have the ability to go along with the increased revenue and the foresight of what could potentially right. happen to survive right yeah. to survive no, those first couple years like and, and i don't know like we, we've seen mls teams compete with the high spending mexican clubs like toronto had that run a couple of years ago where they, they took down tigres um and america before losing to chivas in a final that they should have won in the Concacaf champions league right We've seen LAFC before the season got shut down. We saw them come back and, and take out Leon. Um, so it's not like it's not like MLS teams haven't beaten Mexican teams ever or anything like that. It's the best MLS teams, and they they have to slug it out against the the Mexican teams, right? They're underdogs still, but who knows what could happen, right? If you're putting the best ten from MLS and the best ten from Liga MX, I think you would have a decent mix in there of which teams are kind of at the top or in the top of the middle. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it would be intriguing league, especially if MLS teams are bringing in more revenue and then willing to spend more. I know you, you put a bow on the, the structure of the league and when this happens, but I, I'm going to fire a question to you that I know, I know, I know it's going to get you, get you fired up here. I can't, oh I can't do this episode without All right. asking Hit this me. question. Good or bad for American soccer and the American soccer player? I mean, it's a, totally depends what it looks like, right? Like, what are, we, what are we talking about? Are we talking about a Super League with ProRail? Or are we talking about just like an advanced League's Cup? Well, let's go with your scenario. The Super League with ProRail. I think that's good. Good for American soccer, good for the American soccer player. Um, I'm all about opening up the system. Um, I'm a ProRail guy. I said it. <laughs> I've outed myself. Um, but... No, I think it's good because I think you have, you know, you still have a like a 20 team MLS, right? That's all American and Canadian teams, right? So you still have plenty of opportunities for development. Presumably you have a league below that, right? So you have you have a lot of teams, you have a lot of places for guys to play, and then you have higher level presumably places for them to play in the Super League, right? Um I think it's a good thing. Um and I think if MLS kind of eases the reins a little bit, takes the rules off a little bit. Yeah, there's going to be more spaces and more money for international guys to come in too. Um, but I think if you create a little bit more of a crucible 
I think ultimately that's a good thing. Even if there's a little bit of short-term pain at the front end, I think it's a good thing in the end. What about you? Let me fire that back at you. So many things that people have been waiting for for so long could potentially happen here, right? You you move to the European calendar. You uh, you get some pro-rel. You have places for young Americans to play in the lower divisions. And the uh, higher divisions are just chock full of megastars coming from Europe and South America and the occasional American. I'm not sure it would be chock full of megastars, but hey. Maybe uh, maybe Miguel Almiron stays, right? I mean, there's got to be somewhere here. If you're spending $50 million, that money is going somewhere, man. I mean, I just pulled that out of my butt. Like, like who knows <laughs> Who knows if they're going to be spending $50 million? And by the way, right? Like, we've seen MLS teams spend 25 on payroll in a single season, right? So it's not that crazy. I mean, I didn't call it crazy. But I do think that it changes the dynamic of the player pool. That's, I've always been an advocate that that's a good thing for the American player. I believe that the American player will get better by playing in better leagues and around better competition. If you really want to talk about creating the best possible players for this country, ultimately, it doesn't matter how many you're producing, right? You need 23 really good soccer players to be competitive on the global stage. And in order to create 23 really good soccer players, or let's just call it 30, 30 very good, competitive, world-class, Sam, I know you love that term, but like, <laughs> like really... It's a meaningless term. It means a- nothing. <laughs> a- actually competitive soccer players, yeah. then this, this only helps, right? Increasing I mean, as long, the- as long as they get the opportunity at the front end, this only helps, right? So, does, it, does this league, if, if Clint Dempsey and Landon Donovan play in this league at the beginning of their careers, are they better players or worse players? Yeah, if they're on the field playing, they're better players, right? That, that, that's always the key. But again, yeah. I think that, you know, I, I'm, this is why I'm an advocate for TAM and all these other things. It's like Everyone's like, oh, it hurts the American players. You know what? Having it all domestic player league or the majority domestic players and not great international players didn't really help American soccer along the way, right? You need to play at the highest level you can play. And for I don't know right now, true, but, yeah. I believe for right now, the best, like there are certain players that are, that hit a ceiling in MLS, right? Tyler Adams was not going to get better staying in MLS. He had to go to Europe. If you can make it that that ceiling is higher and that, you know, there are fewer players hitting that ceiling or or that the ceiling in Europe is right. comparable to the ceiling here, that matters. There are a lot of players like Tyler Adams who hit the ceiling in MLS but don't get to move to Europe for right. whatever reason. Maybe they're right. not quite good enough. Maybe the money's not right, whatever. Maybe their club doesn't want to let them go. So if that ceiling can be higher here, then yeah, of course it's better for the American and Canadian um, player, I think. So I don't know. I think this whole thing is very interesting. My favorite thing, Paul, about covering MLS is the fact that this is such a unique puzzle right and everyone's trying to figure it out on the fly and we have we have the borders right we have the edge pieces they've all been put together and now we have to figure out how to fill in the middle and this could blow up the edges right and that would be a fascinating thing to cover it would have to change how we think about this completely um and it would obviously change uh the long-term and short-term and medium-term path of uh of soccer on this continent. And I think it would be really exciting. And I think the potential for it would be really interesting. I'm not sure it'd be great for the fans, um, but it would be interesting to find out. Um, So I don't know. I think I've talked myself into it. Yeah. I'm all for it, man. Increases the profile of the game. That's good for anyone, anyone involved in, uh, in the sport. 
All right. Well, there you have it. Um, I guess we're into the Super League. Sign us up. I guess. I don't know. It's late. Anyway, this has been Allocation Disorder. We hope you enjoyed it. I had fun. Paul, I, I think you had fun, right? Yeah. I, I mean, look, I by the end of this show, I was resigned to... Uh to the fact that this is happening in some format and and uh and that's a good thing right i think you know it's fun to think about how much further the sport could grow in this country for sure always always fun to think to think about always a fun thing to talk about we are glad that we get to talk about it with you guys thanks for listening until next time this has been allocation disorder